Hello, everybody. This is David Goldsmith, and welcome to another edition of Redefining Tomorrow, where we're going to be exploring different ways that you can change your future through amazing individuals around the world. Today, we have a very good friend and an amazing person on the phone. His name is Roger Fishman. How are you, Roger? Excellent. Excellent, my friend. Thank you. The topic you and I had agreed upon, which is probably the most, it's a very different topic in the way you delivered it. It is fuck external validation. And when you said it, I was a little surprised. Uh, would I want to do a program like this? However, I know you well enough. I think you're going to be brilliant. I think you're going to help me a lot and help anybody who's listening. So do you have a full, few bullet points that we're going to be following or an outline? Yes, I do. Okay, can you give them to me so I can write them down? I, the first one I would start off with is possibility versus probability. Versus probability, okay. Next. The next, one, the next one is simple. Know yourself and know your motivations. Okay, next. And the next would be create and embrace today and the future today and the future next less is more meaning literally less is more so less bullet points more discussion into each of those okay and the next the less is more is part of as part of all of this all right and the next that's it. that's it. That's all you got today. No, no, no. That's good. That's good. So uh, I want to I want to bring up very quickly to those who are listening why Roger you're on the phone and this is a great list is that uh, Roger and I met at the Global Technology Symposium event. We had an amazing time together. He invited me to his home. We did many walks and talks, and these this is definitely a Roger. So let's start with your number one probability and probability look it's a it's a pretty to me important uh, framework because a lot of our brains are focused on probability because our brains want generally speaking they want consistency they want safety they want to know uh, the consequences of their behavior and of others. And, and probability is about having a, a good sense of where you are, where things are going, and what to expect. The issue with probability is a lot of it is imposed also by society mm -hmm. about what you should be, who you should be, how you should be. And when you start to add all these different elements of external components, societal expectations, family and friends considerations, you start to get more into the probability world because you're, you're being given symbols, uh, signals, very direct cues about what is important. And that starts to shape what you choose and how you choose to do things. And that's actually really important. Those are really helpful things as well because it gives you context, right? Mm -hmm. And we all want and need some level of context and familiarity. So we know that 
today and tomorrow will be somewhat similar. It'll be somewhat safe. And if I do certain things in my life, certain things will happen. But sometimes built into that is uh, the minimization, inadvertently, of course, of exploring who you are and what motivates you and what you might want to do with your life and what is possible. And so we start going down a path of, well, you know, I, I need to have this degree in school. I need to have this kind of grades. I need to go to this type of school. I need to wear these type of clothes. I need to do all these things because these are the definitions of success. And if I do these things, these things will probably happen. And then my outcome will be good. That's how we get rewarded often. Okay. And both personally and professionally. Yet there's another path. And they're not necessarily mutually exclusive, by the way. They can run parallel, but often we, we don't give ourselves a chance to, to swim inside of our souls, inside of our spirits, inside of our desires and passions and say, what's possible? What would, I, what, what would I like to do with my life if I could really just stop and look beyond the surface? Like when you look in a mirror, look beyond the surface of the mirror and say, what is it that I dream of, I desire? That is not about the probable, but about the possible. So do you, are, are, are you trying to tell me that you start with the probability typically, or do we I start think, with I the, think that's how, I think our species is, encourages us to focus on the probability. And I think in many regards, it's really, really important, right? You need to know certain things about how societies work. So you can stay within certain contexts and frameworks, legally, right, socially. Uh, you know, you want people to follow certain rules. Those are things that are really important. So we're not talking about governments. We're not talking about, you know, corporations. We're talking about individual human beings. So I'm going all the way back to being a child and being born. So my parents would have instilled in me uh, possibilities. They're going to say, you could be anything you'd want. You could be an astronaut. You could be a doctor. Well, actually, being Jewish, you had to be a doctor or a lawyer. But let's assume that there was a lot more options out in the world today. So you're given possibilities, but society is pushes on to that probabilities and overlays Well, I think it. what happens, look, again, let's, let's remember we're having a discussion. There's, you know, 8 billion people and there's, 10 trillion and trillions of different ways to, to look and feel and see things. Yeah. So I think that there's a lot of parents who say to kids, you can be anything, but make sure you get a job. Yeah. Make sure you can pay the bills. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's highly unlikely that you're going to be the one to go do that. Not, and, and a lot of times parents do that, not out of anything, but they want their child. They want their child to be safe and protected. Right. Yeah. They, you know, we all want our kids to have, a better life than us, whatever that means. And often I believe we tend to walk away from what's inside because we're encouraged to focus on the probability. Like, oh, you need that nice house. You need to be able to provide this. You need to be able to do this. You know, this will tell people that you're important or powerful, right? That's the validation. You know, why do, why do people seek power? And then you say, okay, but what's inside that they want you to seek possibilities? Now, this isn't true for everybody, right? But there are a lot of people, you know, you, get, you wake up one day, whatever age, and you go, oh, my gosh, what am I doing with my life? 
What is it that I really want to do? And the, often, not always, but often, what you really want to do is a, is a possibility, meaning there's not a guaranteed outcome of it. So the way I'm looking at it from the way you're saying it is that we as humans, and I'm going to use a 7.5 or 8 billion people planet, we put a large majority of our future into the bucket of probability, knowingly or unknowingly, because of the circumstances around us. And that there's this whole other category of possibility that is not explored as often. Is that a good way to say it? Yes, I think, that, I think that's a great, great summary. And I think it's because possibility is just that. It's uncertain. It also, therefore, has perhaps more fear based into it. And people go, well, is the, is the outcome going to be worth it? But with possibilities, it really is more about the journey, truly about the journey. Because if you do something, as Carl Jung once said, that it's your vocation, okay, it becomes a reflection of, of who you are. And you have no other choice but to pursue your calling. And a calling is about possibility. Okay, means you're pursuing something that is core to who you are. And with that, you don't know where necessarily that will take you. That doesn't mean, by the way, that's a better life. We're not talking about better. We're just talking about this notion of possibilities and probabilities. And some things in life, you want probabilities. But I always start at the end. And I think back, okay, what will I, when I get to be, 80, 90, when I'm on my deathbed, what's the life I've wanted to have led? One where I always search for the probability or one that was a, a wonderful uh, mix and blend of possibility and probability. Is it one that I've chosen and I've chosen and created or one that's been sort of framed and influenced and I won't say dictated, but framed and directed by external parties. So I guess uh, the, the question that's racing through my mind is, when or how did you realize the simplicity of these two words for you? Was there a moment where you said, oh, my God, this is it? This is, the, this is what I didn't realize growing up? Or did you know it your whole life? No, I think inside of me, I've always felt it. Uh, yet I chose when I was younger a path of more probability. And I knew at the same time, there was this deep drive, deep desire to focus on the possibility. But honestly, I had fear. I had fear and anxiety and concerns. Uh, you know, I grew up in a broken household. Uh, we were financially poor, especially you know, after my father, my parents got divorced and then my father died. So, you know, my motivation was to be able to uh, make sure that I lived differently as I got older. But underneath it all, I knew that there was this, this uh, life I wanted to go create. And there are different lives I wanted to create. And I knew that eventually I would have to bet on myself. And to me, that's the, the best possibility in life is to believe and bet on yourself with good reason. Because if you don't bet on yourself and believe in your possibility, nobody else will. 
So I've, I've always, I do, I do love, I love this and I love the simplicity of it. So I'm trying to find the answer in you. Like, was there a, was there a day you woke up and said, these are the two words, not that you didn't have them in you, but that you took a complex cultural, societal, structural system. And you said, Oh my God, I could just break it down into these two possibility and probability. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you the, the person <laughs> I've always felt that, but there's a person who framed it for me and it, he wasn't talking at all about this per se, but in the, an amazing human being and uh, a lot of people uh, will either know him or know of him. And if they don't, they should research him is a gentleman named Peter Goober. And Peter has an amazing history uh, in the entertainment industry in the sports industry. He is one of the most innovative, dynamic thinkers, uh, one of the most successful people in terms of the end result as well. But when I had my, the opportunity actually to engage with him and get to meet him, he framed it in a way where I go, that's what I've been feeling my whole life. So yeah, I would say- What, Peter, what did he do? I, I, I know Peter. Uh, I've, I, I know I have, Peter's in Paid to Think in the book. So my question, what did, Peter's an amazing individual and he's done amazing things. What, do you remember the story? Do you remember how he phrased it? Do you know how the light went off? We were just talking about a, a project uh, and he was explaining how he was thinking about it. And that's how he framed it. And literally when he said it, it was like, a, it was like a lightning bolt. I went, oh my gosh, that's my whole life what I've been thinking. <laughs> it was like, it was like and you know Peter, he's he's he is sort of just this genius. Yeah, he's I he, he's yeah. he's a he's a storyteller. But behind that storytelling is he's got this. Um, I, the word that comes to mind is warped, but it's not warped. It's a he sees a different reality in a similar situation yeah. that other people wouldn't see, and that's how. Uh, what is he? He owns the uh, he owns the basketball team, the San Francisco. Uh, uh, he owns a baseball team. He started what Mandalay Entertainment and things, which is it, uh, with Tom Cruise. I'm trying to remember the movies that we all know from him. Uh, but but to answer your question, he when he said that those two words about this specific project, that's what resonated with me. I thought, and I felt right away. That's how I feel and view life. And again, it's not a V-shaped decision-making process. They can often run on parallel paths. Part of the notion here is to know when you want and need probability mm -hmm. and when you need to explore a possibility. So it's having that, that sensibility and, and consciousness and of intention that's really helpful. So how did you, you heard the words or you heard of inside of you and he broke it down and then you got this epiphany. And how, how did you change? I mean, did you sit down and make a list? Did you start to talk about it with other people? What helped you to gain clarity in this space? You know, to me, it's less about, for me, uh -huh. it wasn't about clarity. It was about commitment, conviction to okay. one's dreams. You know, I, again, I go back to this notion that our brains are, are, are created, honestly, for safety, right? Yeah. To minimize and mitigate risk. 
to know what tomorrow is going to look like and have a sense to feel safe in that environment and productive, right? That is what every living creature wants. They want to prosper. They want to thrive. And most people, though, their brain, the chemicals in their brain say, okay, great, do that, but do that in a way where you're minimizing risk, Mm -hmm. right? You're minimizing a, a lack of safety. And so to me, it was one I always knew from an early age, you know, I lost my grandfather who I adored completely, who uh, my son is named after. Uh, and I lost him early. I saw my parents of a bad marriage early, early in life, and, it, and it was quite frightening. And I, I saw them, their divorce happen, uh, my father dying, the lack of money. I, I saw all these things. And I realized at an early, early, early age, a probability may be real for most people, but but it's not in my case. You know, I realized that the opportunity was the possibility. And I think what happened is uh, I I was motivated to create a different life, but I wasn't motivated to create a life that was necessarily my most true. And part of that is because I didn't have exposure to the world. I didn't know. So I thought, okay, how, how do I create a, my life that changes where I've come from, right? Gives me a better future based on how I see the world. But remember, my vision of the world was, was like almost like a peephole. So I'm because I have a little bit of the curse of knowledge, and we've spoken a lot. I'm going to try to bring this because I don't remember the full stories. But you had wanted the possibility and the possibility was to create a career that you didn't think you might have had which also gave you the probability of stability and through that and through that career maybe you can remind me again of that career and then you made a choice what i remember is you made a choice one day to walk away from it all and to go more possibility wise. So what I'd like to know is how that journey happened and where did Peter Goober fit in? Like, where was the point? Was the point after you made the choices or before you made the choices? Uh, you know, I, I made a lot of, you know, what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? The story of you walking away from your job. I didn't know if that happened right. after Peter or before Peter. And, well, and the, well, it depends. If, well, I, look, I always felt like I was walking and going towards something better each time I moved my life, you know, I've, I had a lot of different jobs uh, in the U.S. overseas, and in each position, I was fortunate enough to do three things: one, improve my overall, uh, I'll say, financial position, my overall career challenge and opportunity, and more importantly, to work with great people. So, you know, another person that I worked for that changed my life for the better was a gentleman called Peter Chern. Uh, I worked for Peter for three years, and he was the former president of Fox News Corporation, uh, and I worked for him as head of worldwide marketing, and that gave me even more exposure to possibilities, and the culture that Rupert created, and his you know his sons who I work with and for you know Lachlan uh, more so, I saw that possibility was actually how they lived. And that inspired me even more to go explore that arena. So each place I went to kept refining, evolving me, uh, inspiring me, and pushing me. 
uh, more towards possibility because I saw more and more what was possible. So I think that part of my job now, just you know, for my son and for people I meet, is to expand the universe so they can see more of what's possible. And that's, so to answer your question, I found what was possible before I met Peter Guber, after I worked for Peter Chernin, uh, and I had already started my own business. Okay. So he just, he helped to clarify that, that position and yet you were, I don't know, it's a funny question. I, why do some people go so far one way and so, some other people go so far the other in terms of the of sitting on that fence with those two words. So, so. Well, I, look, I think it's, it's, look, let's be honest. There's a lot of fear in the world, right? In our brains, there's a lot of fear. Will I be accepted? Will I be good? Uh, will I be respected? Will I achieve my goals? Will people think I'm great? Will people think I'm a failure? Well, you know, it's a lot of that in our, sometimes in our heads, right? Oh, it's very much there's in our heads. <laughs> right, and, and well, that's my point, which is, but the real question to me about possibility is you go, but Will I be happy? Will this be a life worth living that I feel good about? And why? Versus, will other people think? Like, once you get rid of that external validation of what will other people think? And we, and we, most of us have it. We can deny it, but most of it have is a certain Absolutely. Times. Right? So then if you start to say, well, wait a second, what do I think? Like, if I'm on my, and I mean this, if I'm on my deathbed, what do I feel about the life I just led? I, I wish it would, yeah. That deathbed scenario is is uh, delayed gratification type look backwards, and I don't know if it's that easy for people to really get their mind around what that means. Which I think is your point number two: know yourself and your motivations. Right, and it shouldn't be. By the way, it shouldn't be easy. <laughs> you know, at one level you go, oh, it should be. You know, our species and our culture and our microcultures and our subcultures and our, you know, we have family cultures, friend cultures, business cultures, societal cultures, government cultures. We have all these different worlds that we all live in. We live in many different worlds all at the same time, right? There's a reason why we dress differently when we go to work than when we stay home, right? Yes. Because we are playing in different arenas. We are behaving differently in those arenas. That's why I say to people, look, you know, if you treat, you treat your, family your spouse your kids like you treat your clients or your your, your dog you'll have an amazing life <laughs> right yes <laughs> you give them a lot of attention you're willing to do extra yeah. things for them you'll take them yeah. out for dinners or you'll uh, you'll greet them at the door you do all the things yeah. that you would never do for your family <laughs> yeah and so i go that, that's not so it's not complicated you know the truth is i always think we complicate things Did I lose you? No, I'm right okay, here. We complicate things and you stop. So I didn't know if I lost you. So, no, I think it's as simple as that. I think we do it to ourselves. So, you know, do all oh, I need that. That's like, why do we, why do we need so look, Elon Musk just claims he's walking away from all his homes and selling everything. Now I'm not saying he's the role model for everybody. And there, there's only one Elon Musk, uh, but it, it at least makes you consider like, what is the purpose and value of stuff or anything? I, I tell you, have you ever bought anything? Have you ever bought anything truly that you bought to impress somebody else? It was the first question. And then when you did that, you felt it was a worthwhile decision. Felt it was a worthwhile, not worthwhile. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you an example. And I know exactly. I, I, 
was uh, while living in Hong Kong, I had to go to Bangladesh and I had to fly through Hong Kong. And on my way back, I said, I'm going to walk through an entire mall just to make sure that the choice of the watch I was going to make was the one I really wanted. And I bought a watch because everybody in Hong Kong said, watches are extremely important in terms of your image in town. And it was, people looked at your watch as a male. And I remember buying the watch and it was very expensive and I'm walking out and I hit one of those escalator metal pillars that are put up to stop you from bringing a cart down. And I put a big gash on it and I, I walked you know, 20, 20 meters, 50, 60 feet. And I put a big gash on it. And I said to myself, did I buy it for somebody else or did I buy it for me? Right. And, and then also I lived in Hong Kong. I had 40 square meter, which is about 400 square feet of apartment. And my home in the United States is 4,000 square feet, 400 square meter. And oh my God, I, I live just fine in, in this tiny little hall where here I have such a huge house. So yeah, right. I, I do feel that there are decisions made all over that I've looked back and said, why? I don't know if I answered it. Yeah, well, by the way, isn't, but isn't that fascinating? Because you have to look, you have to deal with the reality in different worlds. Like you can say, well, I don't care. I'm not going to buy a nice watch. I don't care. But, but you want more of a probability at, at that time. You want people to think, okay, if that's part of the game and those are part of the rules, I'm going to, I have to play by those rules. And by the way, completely understandable, completely acceptable, but there wasn't necessarily your game and your rules. It was, I'm, I've got to go do this if I want to achieve that. And it was, it was Michael Shriver from Duty Free Shops, head of worldwide operations. I remember sitting at, at lunch and he said, where's your watch? And I said, well, I'm not really interested in a watch. He said, no, no, David, you don't understand. A watch is a sign of status here. You have to have a watch. And I had never thought about that, so I ended up getting a watch. But at, at one point, I stopped wearing a watch, and I said, what, what difference does it make? It, people have to like me. They want to, can I deliver value without a watch? And very, very interesting thought process. Yes, yeah, so I've had that, absolutely. Right, and there are some people, by the way, who have to go get that watch. Because truthfully, without it, they won't feel confident. They'll feel like they're at a deficit. And there are some people who get the watch and they go, you know what? It's part of the game. I get it. It's just, it's a state. I get it. But I'm still going to be made. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to at least check that box. Right. Completely cool. There are some people who say, you know what? There's no boxes to check. I'm me. I'm going to do it my way. And I'm going to own and take all the consequences, good or bad, that come with it. You know, and, and, there, and there's no one right answer in all of this, right? It's whatever works for you. But to me, it's ultimately, and look, I think it have changes during different stages of your life. When you're younger, often, you know, you have either less confidence, less experience, less money, right? And so you are trying to play the game of probability. And I think at a certain point for some people, and you see this with a lot of artists, a lot of artists, which I love about artists, they're always living in possibility. Because they're doing what's true to their heart, what makes their heart genuinely sing. You know, I, I, I have had the privilege of working with a lot of great artists now. Nobody will ever know who they are. But when you talk with them, you can hear in their voices how much they love what they do. 
Yes. They love what they do. And they're not going to make a lot of money. They're not going to fame or power, most likely. But they love what they do. Because every day they're creating about what's possible, what's true to them. Now, again, I'm not saying that's better than the probability. I'm just saying, from my perspective, you can do both. And it depends upon how you want to frame it. Uh, absolutely. So you being a, an adventurer and a photographer and an artist and f- hanging out of uh, airplanes, taking unbelievable f- photography gives you both of those. So going back to your number two, how do you, my question, I guess you said know yourself. I wrote without even thinking about it. I wrote, how do you know yourself and your motivations? So how would you tell, advise me to know myself better, I guess is a good way to say it. You know, it's a great question. I wish there was a simple, like, snap the fingers answer. I, I think it's paying attention to what makes you feel like life is important and worth living, and then knowing why is that the case. Like, you know, so for me, I can only say for me, you know, I I fly in a helicopter, and I've circumnavigated Greenland twice now in July 2018 and July 2019. When you fly from Iceland to Greenland in a helicopter, yeah to take a helicopter underwater emergency training class in case you crash while you're over the sea, the Denmark sea. You all have to wear a survival suit. And the flight was four and a half hours. It's all about possibility. Now, we do our best at probability to be safe, right? But you don't know what will happen. So you're living in both worlds. Then when you get to Greenland and you're flying around, people will say to me, like, well, what are you going to photograph? What are you going to film? I go, whatever feels beautiful and exquisite and glorious and is inspirational that I want to share with myself, my family, my friends in the world. Well, what are you going to see? I go, where are you going to go? Like, I, I don't know. We're just going to, we're going to fly. We're going to wander. And I love to wander because wandering is about possibilities, right? So that's, but, but with wandering in my case, I also have to have some probability. So we plan and we try to mitigate risk. But in terms of the output, I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't even know what's going to happen during the experience. And, and there is a probability so, component of it. I mean, you, you've planned out getting to Iceland. You've planned the economics of it. You were trying, you're mitigating risks because you believe you have to sell something out of that journey. Yeah. So you do have that yes. side. So how did you find, knowing you, Roger, you're an amazing person. You when you said um fuck validation what you said to me was exactly who i met a person who in many ways says i'm going to do my own thing but to get to that point for me or anybody else the circumstances made that happen for you so i'm trying to think okay i feel i know myself but how would i know myself better well, I got, I, look, everything is a question of degrees. And also, at what point in time, you're asking a different question, I think, is when do you feel like what I'm doing or how I'm living is who I am and is my possibility? That's part of it, right? You know, and by the way, it's not, we don't need to question ourselves every single second of every single day. That's too 
grueling. And if you're going to do that, you might as well just see a therapist every day of the week. Well, that's why I've got you on the phone. Right. That's why I've got you. Come on. It's just... well, and that's why I'm going to, that, and that's why I've already, I've already sent you an in, invoice on Venmo for this whole discussion. Uh, look, I, I, I think the part of the, the challenge, I think, is, as a human is that we're always looking for like, you know, what are the, what's the silver bullet? What's those answers? Like people would say, oh, read the book of Bill Gates. This is how he did it. I'm like, yeah, that's how he did it. Right. Fantastic. I mean, what a, an amazing human being professionally, societally. I mean, what an amazing human being, but that worked for him. You know, there are certain fundamentals that work for everybody. I do believe that. And then we all have to also take ourselves and enable ourselves to be our best self. And no book can tell you how to do that. You have to ultimately find a way to believe in yourself, believe you're worth it. And so I wish there was like you know, two of these I'm trying, I'm trying to th- I'm there. trying to think. I, I mean, an example come, came to mind. I had this person I was working with. I don't remember what country. And I, at one point, I felt that this individual was far exceeding the 5,000-person employee unit that she was in. And I looked at her and I said, go out and get some interviews. And she's because she seemed unhappy. And she said, no, 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 I can't do that. I said, why not? She, I, she said, I, I'm, I'm happy here. I said, no, you're not. And you're not learning here. No one's telling you to get another job. All I said was go out and interview and see if you like it. And two weeks later, we're sitting down and she's smiling. She's like, and I said, what? She said, I can't tell you. I said, come on, you went out and interviewed, didn't you? And she said, yes, and I got a really amazing job offer. And she, she ended up taking that job offer because it was the right thing for her. Now, the company knew what was going on. There were challenges within the organization. It was a great move for her and a great move for the organization. I wouldn't have done it if I didn't feel it would have harmed the organization. But in terms of her finding herself, she needed someone to kick her. Right. And, and we all do, I think, to a large degree. We, we all do. We need to, but, that, but that wasn't just a kick. That was a statement of belief, which is, I believe there's other possibilities for you that may be even better for you, right? So how, if, if you don't explore, then you never get to possible. If you only stay where you are, it's always probable within 10%, right? You know, a lot of people, that's why I have a lot of friends, as I'm sure you do, who work for some amazing corporations. And that sometimes we have a discussion and they're very senior executives. And sometimes they'll say, well, you know, the one thing I love about my work is, you know, it's a great people, great this, great that. But, you know, every two weeks I get a paycheck, you know, and the company's been loyal to me. I'm like, well, companies aren't loyal. (laughs) I mean, they're, they're expecting a probability from you, you know, because companies aren't really based about, corporations they publicly traded aren't about possibilities they're about okay we need to grind out more results for the next 90 days right and i i think that goes against human nature so my point is even when you sometimes work at certain companies you're there for probability but your heart may be living in possibility and so the challenge i think for some people is can you do both or when can you try the other uh pathway do you want to try it or is it just too fearful it's scary. Look, I got to tell you, I started my own business. I left a, a really, really uh, successful corporation. They're by far the dominant player in their field, in the entertainment field. And I started my own production consulting business. So all of a sudden, I'm consulting for Fortune 100 companies, competing against all the real big consulting companies who have you know people around the world. And I'm creating a, a video production company to do digital content 
And my whole pitch to clients was the 30 seconds can always be here, but it's going to change. But the new content model is going to be about serving people, not selling people. Imagine telling a corporation, serve people, don't sell people. And they're like, what are you talking about? Our job is only to sell. I'm like, actually, the best way to sell is to serve and serve authentically. Because everyone knows you need to sell. Now the question is, are you here to help? Can you serve people in a way that is of some value to them? And that's where you start to have a relationship, something deeper. And that's about a possibility. And people are saying, well, but it's a 30-second commercial. I go, no. They're like, how long should the content be? What, what's the right amount of content? Give me that probability. I said, the content should be as good for as long as it's good. It's, and as long as people like it and care about it. And they're like, well, how long should that be? I go, I don't know, maybe it's seven seconds, 17 seconds, 37 seconds. It's as long as it's actually great. And that's all about possibility. You don't know until you go dim. But that's not why we, we do polling for politicians. That's not why we do research and focus groups. We think we can get to probability by stripping out possibility. It's, it's still, my mind is still racing to say, and I, and you'll, I, I would say that to some degree, we both mirror in terms of our, our possibility thinking. I think that's why we get along <clears throat> is that both you and I are willing to take those, I hate the term risk. We're willing to go after, we're, I wouldn't use the word risk. We're willing to pursue an alternative um, future and knowing that there are consequences for that, but the risk reward to us is even greater. I think that as a, for people I know that I've tried to help and have helped and they've done I, I use that exact example that I used in that other woman. I used it on another guy and he was already looking for jobs and he ended up realizing the place he was in, he would really need to fix more than he needed to go out. But that there are so many other people in this world that when you're helping them, you really have to, it's almost as if you can't see yourself for many individuals that having a friend I would say one thing then I guess is to listen to friends, listen to other, but you don't have to take their advice, but you have to at least listen and explore what people say about you. And that might be one way to know yourself. I don't know. It's a, it's a really challenging question. It's like it is because probability and the pursuit of probability is a lot easier because there's, a, there's so many rules and so many ways to go do that People can tell you, here's what I did, here's what I did, here's what I did. And by the way, those are really important inputs and insights. I mean, super powerful, very helpful, because they illuminate what's inside of you by engaging you on, on deep levels and also uh, inspiring you with stories, right? And so you take that, that gumbo, that recipe of other people being kind and sharing what they did and how they did it. Uh, and then you go, Oh, here's what that means to me. So I'm a big believer in listening and asking and reaching out to all types of people. You know, my life has gotten better. Look, I went to Greenland you know, for the first time two and a half years ago. And you know, I met an amazing, just by accident, an amazing gentleman uh, who's working on this project over there. And we've now become very good friends. 
his name is Ben Weiss, and he's, he's head planetary sciences at MIT. But because I went there and I met him, and then when I came back, I started emailing, I started researching who are scientists that study Greenland. And then I started saying to them, I have all this, these photos, all these videos, all these things I can share with you. And I met more and more people. And every time I sp spoke to them, they helped me refine more uh, of what I was doing and how I was doing it. And it helped make me realize that my possibility became even more purposeful when I collaborated with people I never met before, but I started to engage. And that goes back to knowing yourself. And to me, reaching out to people you don't know, but that might say yes, is an exciting possibility. Yeah, but, and, and that for, also and for me too, but the challenge for, not but I would say, the challenge for many individuals is that is a no-go status. That is a no-go. I'm not going what, to... Why do, you, why do you think? Why do you think? It, it's going down your possibility and probability factor. It's how do you diminish that probability factor enough so people are willing to see that possibility? It's a, it's a fear. It's a fear of the rejection. It's a fear that they won't have the time. They won't take the... Um, they won't be willing to put the extra effort in that they might say something stupid. They might not have the background. Uh, there's all of these societal or cultural or psychological or sociological components of that one simple gesture, which is really not complicated to, I think, the two of us. Yet I think it's a, it is a, a no-go status for many people. Yeah, but so restate, why do you think that is? They don't know how and they don't know if it will work. Right, so you just answered part of what we're discussing. Mm -hmm. They don't know how it's gonna work, or if it's gonna work. That's the probability, Yeah. right? So I think probability is super important, <laughs> super important on so many different levels. But to me, what makes life worth living is the creating and engaging in the planet, in my art, my adventures, my expeditions with scientists and with students and with uh, other you know, wonderful artistic people in the industry about what's possible. Just the notion of imagining. Now I always think uh, that, that that world, that world of, wow, what could I imagine is stripped away from us once we become adults because we're told about probability. Don't imagine, do. Like what you don't hear many people at the age of 21 being told you can be anything. The age of 21, it's like, what's your job? What are you going to do? How are you going to pay your bills? Mm -hmm. It's sad. No, look, it is, but it's but not a question whether it's sad. It is what it is. And the question is, how do we look at everybody? I'm always so in love when I hear people's stories because people have such amazing stories. Some of them are painful and brutal. Yet inside of all those people, they have, a lot of them have hopes and they still have dreams. And it doesn't mean they have to be Elon Musk dreams, right? But there's something that they have. And it may be, by the way, it might be a very simple but powerful, maybe the most powerful one. I want my family to be safe and give them health care, food, and a roof over their head and just smile every day. And that's worth everything. That is everything. Uh, the, there's uh, the, this part that says know your motivations. Uh, 
I'm, I'm racing my mind. If you could see my eyes, you'd see them just darting all over the place. I'm, I once sat down and I said, okay, I'm going to write out my principles. And then I realized I wrote a whole book that has principles in it, that I have so many principles that they're just, they guide me every day to say, to know my motivations is a, is a whole different level of understanding who you are as a person. And again, it's, it's, were your motivations instilled in you because of your parents? Were they instilled in you because of your culture? They were instilled into you because of the organizations you worked for? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah. 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 So, so how do you strip them okay, back? Imagine, okay. Let's imagine this question, which you can never answer. Imagine <laughs> you're born. No, you keep, because there is, there's no, oh, I love, I love that. I imagine this question, but don't worry. You can't answer it. <laughs> no, but is, if, if you, when you were born, if you were in your, which you're, let's talk about your purest state. If you could have been enabled to be your purest self, what would that be? Meaning, you know, you weren't worried about what happened with your parents. You weren't worried about society. You weren't worried about your friends or your cause. If you could just be your truest self, who would that be? Or what would that like be? The truest self. Or what would, what? Or what would that be? Well, what would it look like? Right, and how, how would that be? So, right? so, yeah, that's actually a very good question. That's a good way to frame, to know your motivations and your, yourself is to define if you could start all over without limitations, what would the life you had been given be? And I used to say this to individuals, I'd say, what did you used to do before you had to raise money, had to make your own money, before you had to go to work every day? What were your pleasures? And people say, oh, I love to play baseball. I love to play a musical instrument. I love to go hike. I love to do this. I love to do that. And I'd say to them, do you do them today? What do you, well, I'm kind of busy. I've got, and I'd say, that was your purest happiness because you had no responsibilities that caused you to go in a different direction. Go back to some of those and you'll find a lot of your happiness is built in there. Right. No, I think that's absolutely true. And so we, I often say, we create the problems that we try to spend our lives solving. <laughs> That's a very good one. We, we create the problem. And the reason we do that is because there's a sense of familiarity to it. And that, and by the way, that's about probability, right? Oh, I'm familiar with that. And, uh, and that's why we, and I think as humans, we spend our time the way we spend our time, which is, it could be, we, we spend too much time exercising. We spend too much money shopping. We, you know, we eat too much, we watch too, whatever, you know, whatever it is, but it's because there's a sense of familiarity and it, it gratifies our brain. And so I think the challenge is going back to what we uh, are often removed from, which is that I think almost childlike curiosity and imagine, imagination. And, and I love imagination because when you free somebody, from the probability and the rules of external validation, they can actually get much more in touch with their inner selves, their own motivations. So like, for example, and you've seen my, some of my photography. It's amazing. So when I, yeah. when I do my aerial photography, I, you know, my door is off. And I- The door, I, then, the the door to the helicopter is off, is what you're saying. The door to the helicopter is off. <laughs> because so I, your I, door I, is off could be taken, you're you know, mentally challenged, but that's okay. Well, I've been told that too. <laughs> And I, and I lean out really far. I'm strapped in and I have harness on, but I lean out as far as I can. And I shoot 
photograph straight down. That tends to be most of what I do. And the reason I do that is one, I love Mother Earth to me is the most amazing artist, right? And the most amazing source of all energy. Without Mother Earth, we don't exist. So now I'm flying over Greenland, I'm looking down, and you know, there's all, Greenland's massive, and I'm looking to essentially design art from the sky, right? There's already art there, but I have to find the, the moment that moves me, that makes me either, I do one of three things, stops me and calms me and makes me feel very spiritual and connected. Another part of that could be it stops me, makes me cry, or another part where I start to scream and swear because I'm so excited. Okay, but when I shoot straight down, the reason I do that is I eliminate any context, any familiarity to the person who's looking at the image. So why do I do that? I do that because that requires people to engage their imagination about what they're looking at, right? Mm -hmm. And it requires them to feel with their eyes and their heart. I don't, don't tell them this is a gorgeous landscape. Look at how beautiful Greenland is although I do that as well. But most of it's about what does this mean to you? And so people swim, emotionally, creatively swim in my work. And it becomes theirs because it's their imagination and it's Mother Earth. And I become nothing more than a conduit, a vessel for people to connect, not only with Mother Earth, but with themselves. Yeah, and your work is amazing. The... I think that uh, know yourself and your motivations. It, it's a really, it's a phenomenal number two, but it's a real challenging number two. The of course, but but by the way, what isn't challenging? The question is: Is the life, you know, unexplored, worth it to explore, or is it just easier? And the answer is: Oh, was it easier not to explore it? But bless you. And as you know. Even when you explore it, you may be wrong. You may think, oh, I thought it was that, but it's this. You know, I got this, I have to say, I got this most exquisite text message from a, a woman. I don't know what, she follows me on Instagram. And she was looking at my work and she was reading my post because I spent a lot of time trying to connect with people through prose as well as photographs. Uh, and so this woman writes back, she goes, you know, I, I appreciate what you're sharing. What I've realized is I don't need to travel around the world to go see things and new buildings and, and, and have a checklist. I can travel inside myself because there's so much glory there, so many stories there, sad and positive. And I, I, got, I got done reading and I was stunned. Wow, this person is amazing. And I had a, a minor role just to sort of facilitate that. I thought, wow, what a gift she's given me, and what a truth she told us. She told me it's it's an amazing you bring up that story. Uh, when Facebook first came out, I posted a decent amount, and he, traveling around the world like you, I was posting a lot. And one individual wrote to me, "I live my life vicariously through you," and I love your photographs. I love your journey. I love your things you do. And my reaction was actually, oh my God, I don't want people to live through me. I want them to live. Right. And, and this is what I, I really appreciated. This woman was living her life through herself. Yeah, I love that. All I, all I, all I did was, was become a bridge. 
right? I opened the door and, and she decided she was going to journey into herself. So that's what I try to do with my artwork is to enable people to go back to their own core sense of imagination, of creativity, to take away the, poss- the probability of what we think should be. Oh, that's beautiful. That's a mountain versus, wow, what is that? So in fact, in, our new, in my, the work I'm releasing now, my colleague, Melissa Shoemaker, who is exceptionally talented, kind, smart, wonderful, and without her, uh, I couldn't get anything done. You know, we're doing one, taking one picture a week on Instagram and, we're, and Facebook, and we're, we're doing a slow pan over it. So and the reason we're doing that is so you can feel this abstract beauty, you can touch it almost with your heart. And then at the end, we reveal the whole image. Because often we don't give ourselves time to go inside and go deep and be slow and to breathe. And I wanted people to feel like they were just a gentle butterfly, just being part of this experience and using their own feelings, their own imagination, their own history to decide, what is that? And I think that's what I want to do is encourage people to use their own uh, creativity in mind and not tell them. Yeah, and the, the motivation side or the understanding is, yes, as you said, there's many different ways to approach this. Let, let's, let's go into the next one. They create and embrace today and the future. What did you mean by that? Yeah, uh, at this stage, you have to sort of like let go, understand the past, but not live in it. And to me, life is about, you have to, I always think of things, I know there's a thousand shades of gray. Let me start off with, there's a thousand shades of gray. But within that, there's, there's boundaries. There's, you know, there's, it's binary. Do you create or do you wait? And I believe in life uh, that I want to be a creator, not a waiter. And because when you create, you create an energy. And when you create an energy, things can happen. And by the way, not with probability, with possibility. So if I want to reach out to someone I don't know, I just write them. And so if I want to go do something, I just reach out to them. For example, we just, we just for Earth Day, I looked at it as Earth Week, uh, we collaborated with Conservation International. And every day they released a video that uh, I directed and from footage I shot from Antarctica, Greenland, Iceland, Africa, whatever it may be. Melissa, who I mentioned earlier, who's amazing, did the editing. And we worked with all these different phenomenal musical artists, Herbie Hancock, Portugal the Man, Elie Zaveda, Health, Agnes Sobel, and now we're doing one with Melody Federer and Burt Bacharach. And the reason I bring it up is I didn't know any of these people. And I had to go reach out to a couple of cases, reach out to bands. I didn't know how to, I didn't know them. I didn't know their manager. I didn't know their agent. I didn't know anything. And, but I had to finish video. <laughs> and I knew that I had to not only find these people, then I had to get the artist approval, the manager's approval, the label's approval, the publisher's approval. You know, how do you do that? So I just reached out. Would you, and I, go ahead. Would you say, and this is not to be cynical, but to be, somewhat pragmatic to be to be honest with the day that while you 
have days that have these spikes of unbelievable innovation and, and opportunities, or you reach out and someone says yes, that the life really does have a level of uh, not mundaneness is not the word. It's more of a, a normalcy. And you have, yeah, you have spikes of inspiration and spikes of excitement. And what I think the way, the way you sound is you're trying to improve the number of spikes that are yeses and excitement and possibility. Oh, I'm trying to improve the number of things that feel like life is worth living. Yeah, that's what I mean. Is you get more of them in a day, or more of them in a week, or more of them in a month, right. then your life becomes. I, I don't want. There's an unrealistic expectation when you meet people who are celebrities or they have done some amazing job or been that they're going to be so different, and yet they go to their kitchen and they get food. They take a shower in the morning. Uh, they have to deal with their mother or their father or their friends. And, but they also build into that life some amazing things. Yes. So I would also add mm -hmm. is if you, things can be mundane if you allow them to be mundane. Here's what I mean by that. Like I love water. I'm in love with water. You know, most of my work for the last couple of years has been, you know, three different forms of water, like liquid, you know, solid or vapor. And you know, I've, it could be icebergs, glaciers, melts. And for me, water is like amazing. Like, how did they, how was water created? How did hydrogen and oxygen come together? So when I take a shower, I'm not just taking a shower, I'm literally like going, wow, not only is the water exists, which we need to survive. Now, how do they get it through the pipes to me? And then how do they heat it up? I could teach you all that if you need to know. <laughs> no, no, I, uh, my point is, and and you want when you start to feel that you go oh my god it's so much more than just that when i go to a grocery store and i love grocery stores think about it the colors the shapes the designs foods from around the world and if you're fortunate enough you can afford to eat right mm -hmm. like what a gift it is to have money to go into a grocery store and be able to buy stuff that you need or want like i grew up we couldn't necessarily do that. There are times we'd be in the grocery store line. I remember this happened many times. It's one of the reasons I became good with logistics. We we go through the grocery store and the lady would say, "Okay, it's twenty three dollars and forty five cents." And my mother goes, "Okay, I only have eleven dollars and forty five cents." And we'd stand there. We'd have to take things off the belt, right, mm -hmm. and remove it. And then the lady had to deduct it. It was all by hand. It was manual. And, it was, and you're standing there. You kind of it's kind of shame, feels shameful. Like you know, we can't afford groceries. But what that also taught me is, wow, what a gift to be able to afford apples and bananas and whatever you want. And so then you know, I look in my room sometimes, like even the room I'm in right now. And it's a really nice room. But if you look at it and you go, oh, my gosh, it's not just a room. It's people's dreams. It's people's work. Like that bed somebody made is a company. And somebody had to work at the company. Somebody earned that money to take a vacation, put their kid through school, to go out for dinner with their family, to you know, have health insurance. And you realize that there's energy and so much more. So to me, that's the way that you can elevate the mundane, I think is the word you used, or the boredom. When you start to think about and realize that there's so much more, that's when actually even the day-to-day -day becomes pretty amazing. It's an amazing journey listening to you and how you are looking at certain things 
because I look at a whole different set of experiences in a whole different way. And I still have that excitement. And you know some of the projects I'm working on. I love to travel the world. I love the experiences of, of meeting and seeing them. I don't remember history, dates, and figures, but I love to see and explore the entire world. I don't mind getting on a plane going 16 hours or 52 hours, 53 hours to get to Bangladesh. Yet it's, it's, a, it's, it's pleasurable to hear this little water uh, experience that you've got and how you've been able to take that from that perspective. Yeah, it's uh, so you, so to make that, embracing that every day, so you've been able to take the everyday things around you and convert them, how do you take the day-to-day -day life things, whether it be paying the bill, I, I, I've got to believe that, um, the, there are activities you're engaged in where you don't. How do you look at life from that perspective so that today becomes a valuable day? It's evil. That's how I look at it. It's completely <laughs> evil to pay bills and or, be organized and follow up on certain details. It's just evilness of the world. Um, no, look, that, that stuff to me, uh, that's hard for me. If my brain doesn't work that way, you know, to go, okay, let's go through that. I, like, I can go through a lot of really detailed, super detailed logistics like I'm going through right now with the helicopter and the right safety measures and the right carabiners and the right rope and the right knot and the right harness. And, you know, and how do I lean out? How, we, how far can I lean out? And how do I make sure it doesn't come undone? I go through all those logistics. It's life or death, of course. But you start to send me all these bills and I'm like, ay, 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 ay because it's, it's not how my brain works. Now I have to deal with it, right? So I try to put together some systems that make it easier, right? And so I can sort of embrace that. But that's the only way I can deal with it. I mean, the part of life is, you know, it goes against what we want to go do. It can't all, it can't all be fun and games, but it's how you look at it. So even with things that frustrate me or I find boring, I go, okay, well, guess what? Like literally, okay, here's a story. Colonoscopy. Let's talk about the colonoscopy. Yes, yeah, been there, done that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I've, I've, had a, I've had a whole bunch more than usual for most people because they wanted to monitor some things. And uh, people said to me, oh, that sounds horrible. I said, are you kidding me? You sure I've, got a great, I've, I've got a great doctor. He's really, really good and really kind. I've got, you know, fortunately, good insurance. It's really reassuring. Uh, this is an inconvenience, right? No big deal. And then, you know, I got done with that. Like two days later, I had an oral surgeon take a tooth out of my mouth, which was really, 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 really painful. And uh, my headphones stopped working so I could hear everything and see everything. And it was not. But I was like, you know what? I've got a really, really good oral surgeon. I've got insurance. You know, I could complain about it. Or I could just get on with it and be appreciative for what is. So that when I get a bill, it's the, the process I don't enjoy. But when I think about it, I go, you know what? I can afford that bill. How lucky am I? So I, I, for me, it's about framing. That's and that's why perfect way to for me, possibilities about framing. perfect way to say it. I was looking for something that you could pull from, and the word framing is probably the the best. I didn't find that word in my vocabulary when I was trying to put together how I do it, 
but framing is probably the best word to identify that experience for you. So how do you do the future? Create and embrace the future. Well, well what would I you add to that? Because that's what this no, category I, I is. Think, well, that's about possibilities, all right? So, you know, I'm, I've got, I'll say too many different ideas that are way out there right now that I'm working on. And I don't know which one will happen, which one won't happen. You know, I probably, I have some people who just think, oh, that's so amazing that you're so creative. And there's some people who go, oh my gosh, he's too creative. Can you stop? <laughs> and I, and, and some people go, just, some people will say, just pick one idea. I'm like, well, they're, I don't know which one's going to work. Right. Yeah. And I love them all. So I have to go, how do I do this? I give each one its own best shot. Uh, so that's about the, the creation part and embracing what happens with it. Cause a lot of times, you know, it doesn't work out the way you want, or you, you need help from people and it's, but they're doing it at their timetable, not yours. Uh, so I think you have to embrace the fluidity of, of it all. And that to me is about, it's like water. That's why I love water. When you get in a pool, you might know it's water, but it flows around you. And as you swim, you're, you're moving energy and you're creating energy and you're feeling energy. So it's that notion of being fluid with what's possible versus to me, sometimes it can become rigid if it's only probable. The one thing that I think, one of the challenges I think human beings have is we have so many assumptions built into the way we think that we don't realize the micro steps that we make to get there. So, for example, you said that you look for the possibilities and that you have all these opportunities. But to get to that step, you probably had 17 things you went through. What's the economics? What's the timetable? What do you think yeah. would be the highest probability of it being successful so you could be excited about it versus it not turning out because you might not have resources or access or time or, or you're married uh, in your case. So it's does the family will that interfere with family experiences <clears throat> and i somewhat do the same i have a list and i have a board and i'm listing uh i have one column called larger opportunities and i have to at times say i love the large opportunities but it's not going to give me that future right and make it doing a podcast series it takes away from another opportunity yet the value to me is i'm i'm learning from you i'm being challenged from you i'm seeing new insights from you and if i can keep on growing then those that list of larger opportunities expands so i see it as a positive for all the work that goes into it to make sure that the next phase becomes an opportunity so I think those little micro things that you're saying, we as, as a listener, me being a listener, anybody being a listener, you're making a lot of jumps and I, I'm trying to follow those jumps. Yeah, look, look, and here's a good thing. I'm glad you brought that up. A lot of jumps to, for me are extremely intuitive. You know, it's not a, a linear, I, I write down a hundred different things and, and then I get to it. It's, it feels right and there therefore i go do that and when i say feels i don't mean it's just an emotional feeling it just it's logical it happens in my brain and then i move forward 
but yes, a lot, there's a lot of leaks. And for many people that either it doesn't work or it's frightening uh, or it's just not who, then how they are. And that's okay too. That's just what works for me. Lori, my wife uh, mentioned the other day that there was a study out about how people can't predict the future. And I do see this. I will be working with organizations. I'll say, what do you think the future is going to hold in terms of a market or a condition? Let's go five years out. And they can't see it. They cannot create the future in their own mind's eye. And yeah, but, but here's the thing. But here's the thing. Nobody, nobody can predict the future. Look, for every expert, there's another one that has a completely different point of view. Mm -hmm. If there are only so many great experts, we wouldn't have a pandemic and the world being shut down. Like, I'm so tired of everyone being an expert about everything, right? The answer is, yeah, I don't know. You know, we're, we're, giving, the, we're giving the best shot and the best data uh, based on our own belief systems. But how could the whole world not see this happening? Like, how could every government, every military, every intelligence agency, every everybody not see this happening, right? So I, I don't think of what well, we should, we need to be experts. Well, we we can have a sense of probability. You're, right? you're, you're very funny because I did a video and what I started off by saying is nobody knows. We don't know. <laughs> this is this is new. We don't don't listen to everybody because oh my god, the news is changing every day. And you just sounded just like that. Well, no, but that and but to me, like there's and obviously not regarding the pandemic, but about life, you know. If you can say, I don't know, but I'm going to explore. Absolutely. I don't, I don't know, but I'm going to wonder and I'm going to wander to learn more about it, right? Then all of a sudden things start to change because in your mind, there's possibility and consideration. And so to me, and again, there's different stages in your life when you, it's easier to do this. Let's be honest about it. You just go, okay, I'm just going to go for possibility exploration and it, but i have to be willing to not only create that world i have to embrace what comes with it i have to own whatever happens so mike you know might a tactic be for people including myself which i've been trying i do as much as i can is to in the world of pandemic today is sign up for um events that have nothing to do with what you're used to doing so if you're not a photographer Listen to a photographer person speak. If you're not in um, in transportation, listen to a transportation person. If you're not into cooking, listen to a cooking person to give you that diversity of future possibilities. Yeah, look, that's exactly what I do. Look, I, I like I on Instagram, I follow people of different types of art form, and just watching them and seeing what they create or how they create or getting to talk with them is so inspiring and I, I don't know what there's no linear connection i don't go if i hear this i'll do that or if i learn that if i meet them i have truthfully 99.99 percent of the time i don't know at all what's going to come out of anything i do i mean truthfully, i i did a thing you may know about this it's called the mirror project and it was about look going beyond the surface for each of us okay uh, to go beyond the routine of the ritual. I picked mirrors as a, as a symbol of being superficial, but now I want people to go beyond that. To, when they look in the mirror, to really look at themselves, to know themselves, to think about and be reflective of where are they, where do they want to be. But what I did is I took mirrors, had them made, and I brought them around the world. I photographed you know, uh, 
orangutans looking at themselves in mirrors, emperor penguins looking at themselves in mirrors, lions, giraffes, uh, you know, name it. And I remember when I first did it in the Falkland Islands, you know, and these, you have to have them made in these countries or cut in these countries and you, and you have to have stands made. And I have no idea if any of it's possible, if any of it's going to work. I don't know how I'm going to lug all this stuff around. Like none of it. Okay. And then you get there and you go, okay, I'm going to go figure it out. Now what? And then you put a hundred pounds of equipment on, on a sled and you pull it six kilometers out and back uh, and try to photograph emperor penguins in Antarctica with it. And I wanted to see how they would respond. But it was a symbol of like, what does it mean if you can see yourself for the very first time? Because mm -hmm. let's be honest, most penguins. Right. They don't have a mirror in their, in their hut. Right. <laughs> so, but, so my point was, I didn't know the outcome was going to be. And I remember the first time I did it, and my wife was like, well, it sounds like an interesting idea. Like, it sounds crazy that you're going to, but go ahead. I mean, that's what works for you. My wife's always been very supportive. So that's what I did. And sure enough, it, it turned into this magical project. It was a complicated, hard, sometimes dangerous. Yeah. But was it rewarding? Absolutely. All along the way. All the stuff that sounds like not fun, like driving mirrors nine hours in a sand road from Nairobi up to this uh, lodge, not fun. When five of the six mirrors broke the first day, definitely not fun. Okay. Uh, but, but I loved every aspect of it. That the, that's that's the motivational side or the knowing yourself because that's a I I would probably think you would agree with this comment. Often individuals have probably said to you because they say it to me all the time, "Oh my God, that's sixteen hours on a plane. That's twenty five hours of travel." And and I say to them, "I really don't care. I'm going for the destination. I'll sleep on the plane. I'll read on the plane. But oh my God." I get to go to Cartagena. I get to go to Tokyo. I get to be in New Zealand. And it's about the destination that I enjoy. Right. And, and I meet great people on the planes too. That's exactly right. Look, I can tell you, another friend of mine, I met him on a flight and, you know, he is head of planetary sciences for uh, Harvard Smithsonian uh, Institute. And, I met him and only because I was on a plane and I talked to him. So I, I believe it's an opportunity to meet people, to learn new things. And if people don't want to talk, of course, that's okay. But the possibility of learning someone else's story, oh. no matter who they are, is really, really fascinating. And I will add, to add to what you've just said, is that I think it's easy for people to say, and they probably said it to you, oh, but you're always in business class. And I say, no. I have been in the very back because I'm the last person to sign up on a plane where I can barely move my legs for, for 12 hours. I have been in the uh, economy plus situations. I've been in business and I've been in first. But the, mo the way I always tell them is in first class, nobody speaks to each other. It's very difficult. Business class, you get some conversation. But in normal class, you sit by amazing people who are willing to talk to you. So I, that's my take. I don't know if it's the same as yours. My take is very simple. If you're kind to people and you're interested in people, genuinely interested, and you're willing to listen, it's great everywhere. It, it, it's just great. It's everywhere. just, for me, my experience has been in first class. The people next to you will go to sleep. They'll do, they, you can meet great people. It's just, it's been it's been interesting how there's a different type of atmosphere that you would not have thought is there. 
which I've met great people on all of the classes. But what I'm saying is you, you and I have both been in economy. We've been on these planes that are small and rinky and everything. And we've met great people there too. And it's not a matter of class. And I think that's what I, my point, my point was, was that I think there were people saying, yeah, but Roger's been flying all over. He's probably always in business class. I wish that, I wish that was the case. But I, I know that people say that because they've said that to me. My, my travel was 300,000 miles a year. And it was always assumed that every flight I was on was business class. And then, no, I have been in the most horrible planes you can imagine where I'm afraid that the wings are going to fall off. But the right and, and you've had amazing times. So, yeah. So let's get to the less is more. What do you what, what do you what's your take on the less is more? I, I really found that the less noise I allow into my life, the less distractions I allow into my life, the less that I focus on the probabilities of the world's telling me the more time and energy and joy I get from focusing on what's important to me. And that means eliminating what doesn't serve you. That you have more mind space, heart space, caring space, love space, creative space to go pursue what's truly inside of you. So whether it's media, less, technology less, shopping less, you know, whatever it is, and then go, okay, now I'm freeing up time, right? And by not focusing on what the external world is always telling you and following their lead, doesn't mean they're not good inputs, but not following their lead. You can focus more on yourself and what your life you want it to be. So that to me is it's less of outside, less external, and more time for internal how i heard your your list how do you do that and how do you know that you've not eliminated too much of certain things well well, uh first of all i think the answer of how do you do that again you do it by being attuned to what's important to you yeah and saying, okay, if this is important to me, I always think of life again, going back to there's a thousand shades of gray, but things are binary. There's attractions and distractions. Attractions are things that are really important to you and they're hard. They are hard. I mean, they might be fun to get there, but they're, they can be hard because it's, it's who you are, who you want to be or what you really want to do. That's an attraction. I, that's important to me. But there's also sometimes fear, like, oh, what happens if I, I, I'm not good enough? What happens if I don't get there? What ha- like all these things in your head. And if you say to yourself, okay, wait a second, I want to focus on what's important to me, then you don't get what I call the shiny objects, little distractions. You don't get caught up in surfing the web when you should be pursuing your attraction and your goal. You don't get caught up on uh, online shopping or uh, anything else. That's a distraction. You know, it's like at the end of the day, you say to yourself, did I really get a chance to do what's most important to me? Did I try even? And by the way, it might be going from five minutes to six minutes, not about like whole days. Did I give myself an extra minute to focus on the attraction of what's important to me in my life, my heart? That's what I'm talking about. 
Everything else is a shiny object and we all get distracted. And by the way, let me be clear, certain distractions are actually part of the attraction process. And what I mean by that is you have to wander and you have to wander into fields and places that you know nothing about that are completely unfamiliar to you, but they serve a purpose and they serve a purpose to bring you closer to your attraction. And that sounds like it's inconsistent, right? Like you're going to spend time doing stuff that you may not have a direct value to you. Absolutely, because it does. You just don't know how. That's the world of possibility. Like I always say, if you're going to play pinball, you can say, I want to get as many points as possible, as fast as possible. I'm going to go for the big score. Or you can say, you know what? I want to just, I want to keep the ball in play. And I keep the ball in play, more things will happen, more points will be made. I'm more relaxed about it. It's like, we'll see what happens, but I'll, it'll, I'll get more points. And in life, you want to have more touch points, more time for your attractions. And so you have to think about, am I spending time on things that will be helpful? Not in a linear fashion necessarily, but things that will help your mind, your imagination, and your heart be happier. So maybe there's a uh, way I can add some clarity because I'm trying, you said it perfectly in the sense of the cons construct. What, what the thing that kind of got me a little bit off and that's what I'm trying to, is that the distractions are not always distractions if they are part of the attractions that create the distraction. Me, okay, well, let's think about does that make sense? Okay, like you're going, you're, you're traveling and you yeah, get distracted. But, yeah, but, but it becomes, so let's break it apart a little more clearly yeah. for everyone. Attraction is what you want to go do. Yeah. Okay. A distraction is something that stops you from getting there. Simplistic. So if you really want to go create something or do something, there may be, there's lots of ways to get there. And they are actually part of the attraction process, part of the energy feel mm -hmm. right and it might be researching flowers as it relates to you want to start a new business you just don't realize how it's part of the attraction a distraction is when you do something that actually takes you away from okay so the possibility and, and, that you yeah the way you had said it was a little, so it's within that's what i was trying to get to it's within the attraction that you find new opportunities that might appear to be distractions but they actually add value to the attraction. Yes, but it's not a linear fashion. Correct. It's not That's a what I mean. It's a, it's a three-dimensional. You could be going backwards. You could be forward. You can go up. You can go down. Yeah, look, uh, do you remember Edward de Bono at all? Yeah. And, was, okay. okay, lateral thinking. Yeah. I got into him when I was really young. And I got to laugh. I don't know why, but I did. But it was this notion of laddering, right? And most of us think that success is straight up. Right, it's climbing the mountain. <laughs> yeah. Right, it's not. <laughs> and that, and by the way, and that—that's the external validation that we're told. You are, you should be a mountain, and if you're not the mountain, go climb it and be on top of it because you're stronger than the mountain. But of course, we're not. The the lateral thinking is going from side to side, finding the grips, finding the places, finding the things that let you move forward, even if sometimes you have to go backwards to go forward. It's about momentum and progress that accumulates and builds, and often. You don't want to get to that top. That top of that mountain may not be your mountain. Or a false peak. And maybe, maybe, yes. And so like I say to people, like I just came back from Namibia a couple months ago, right before the whole a pandemic. And I looked at these mountains and I thought, that's exactly the symbol of what we're told as men to be. Strong. 
tall, bold, conquerors, right? That's often historically the pattern. And yet when you look across Namibia, what I fell in love with, and I fell deeply in love with, just like with water, I fell in love with sand. Sand, and sand's everywhere there. It comes, it's blown up from South Africa, it's from Namibia, but a speck of sand by itself, a speck of sand, I realized, is nothing. It is a piece of the mountain, right? Because the mountain, you ultimately become a speck of sand. That's who we ultimately become. And that it's the speck of sands together by the trizillions, trizillions, not trillions, trizillions, times trizillions, that form these amazing, beautiful patterns. Okay? And so it shows you that together we're more beautiful. Together we're more strong. But at our essence, we're not really the mountain. That's a, a composite, a composition of everything. We are specks of sand. So you also have to have context for where we will end up, right? What a short period of time we're here, called 80 years, if we're lucky. And the planet's 4.5 billion years old. So that's going back to on your deathbed. Yeah, it's, it's a hard concept. But it, you know why it's a hard concept? Because nobody wants to think about their death. <laughs> because nobody wants to truly die. So if you think about it and go, like, is this, when I look back, will this be decision or a pattern that I am going to be happy with and proud of? And you don't know the answer until you're in that position, but you, it's a good checklist criteria. Oh, it, it definitely is. And I, and I love the idea of the thought of the mountain being the top that I never thought, I don't think I've shared with you, but my story is like a camel's back. You go up a hill and fall and you go up a hill and fall and you go up a hill and fall. And I have fallen so many times and that's right. just part, it's not a direct path. It is a lot of falling and a lot of reclimbing right. and a lot of rebuilding. But that's the fun. If, if you are open to that, yes. And if you're not, it becomes much more difficult. Yes. Because then back here, it becomes, then it becomes painful or boring or whatever. But if you look, yeah, and I really do believe this. If you look at things and, and frame them, like, wow, look, look at that tree, how beautiful. And that tree actually feeds me. It takes what I, spew out, absorbs it and gives back to the planet so I can live and survive. If you have if you have a sense of wonderment, then life is wonderful. No matter who you are or where you are. Like you know, I I've, I used to uh, volunteer at a hospital in Los Angeles at Cedar Sinai. An amazing hospital, amazing doctors, nurses, staff, and, and a phenomenal volunteer program. And I would meet people who might never come out of the hospital. But it was a way that they viewed things and framed things and thought about things and felt things. And they were inspiring because they were beyond where they were. And that was a choice. Maybe it's their DNA. But it's how they were and saw and felt the world. And I think it's within reason to think that we have the ability to Frame how we want to feel and see and engage with the world. And that's why I said you want to be a creator or a waiter. Both are good. For me, I need to create. The, I love the word wonderment. That's a, an excellent word that I've probably been looking for my whole life. I've always used, said that I'm extremely create, uh, curious, but it's not curiosity. It's falling in love 
with something different and new and ex exciting. And I love the word wonderment. I thank you for that. That's one that I had not used. And I think it- I knew if I talked long enough. I knew if I talked long enough, you'd find something. Something. That <laughs> something. I, that I did that yeah, there was something. I, I, uh, I don't even remember any much more of the conversation. I've been trying to forget it. No, I would say that the, the wonderment is a, a great, There's a, it's a great way to encapsulate putting in curiosity, putting in that attraction, putting in that possibility. I think that that's an umbrella word that brings all of these pieces together because builders, creators are excited about something. They're excited about building a structure, excited about getting people to attend, excited about learning something new or taking on a new instrument. Uh, I think that wonderment is a, a fabulous word. I don't know. Well, thank you. I don't know if I would have ever used that. So I think it's amazing word. That's, that's a gift. Thank you. It, it, the less is more. Cutting back end. Right, can, I just, can, sure. I, can I just give you the definition? The definition of wonderment, just so you know, because looking it up. Yeah, a state, a state of awed admiration or respect. And then they use the example: this person shook his head in silent wonderment, awed admiration. Uh, it's a feeling of surprise, of awe and joy. And I think you know. How wonderful if we can have some surprise and awe. To me, awe is all around us. Like that is the easiest thing to find. You know, I'm like in awe of my dogs. <laughs> Just like, wow, yep. I'm in awe, in awe of our son. Like, our son, like, wow, that, like, I understand scientifically how he was created and, and, and born and everything, but like, what, how amazing. And looking at him every single day, I have awe and wonderment about that. You know, so, you know, plants, you know, wildlife you know oxygen planet earth water there's real wonderment and awe for me in all of it and so that gives me real pleasure there's actually on the google search it said is wonderment a real word so uh yeah there i just i've got to believe that you've run into many situations where people said oh my god what you do would make me tired as can be and I've got to believe you run into situations where people say, will you stop it? You're just keep on going. And I'm in my head, I'm trying to bridge that gap to be able to say or explain that it is not tiring. It's energizing. It is not, Absolutely. it's not, it's not a chore. It's delight. Yeah. It's, and, and you never, know what you'll find at the end of the road which oh that, that, but that's the possibility yes right? that's the possible and you you are fine with that and no 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 no. i'm not no i'm not fine with it at all i'm in love okay with yes the, sorry what i meant by is it's part of your dna yeah and that's and look and so my question becomes and and yeah. i would like to see if we could find something is imagine if a person was in front of you who completely doesn't understand how you cannot be tired from all of this? What would you tell them? I just said, come join me. 
well, I've already, I'm going to do that. So there, we've got that. Uh, see, I looked at Wonderman and it said your name. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you looked up, you looked up the word Meshuggah. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, sorry. It's the wrong tab, wrong tab. I, I got to click back to Wonderman. Uh, no, you come join me is a great way to say it. Not everybody's got that opportunity. If someone, if someone's struggling with their life, and you had to, and I'm going to kind of make this our last talk of the whole program is, if you had to help them get to wonderment, would there, besides not being able to come with you, because not everybody wants to hang out of a helicopter and not everybody wants to go to Namibia, how do you, I'm struggling. Because I know that you have run into these people. I don't say these people like this whole category of people that are just called that you've you've been challenged with. No, look, people. Let's let's cut through the chase here. Most of the world and most of life is really difficult from a lot of people, especially right now. Right? You know, you have to have a place to sleep that's safe and being with people that are safe. Right. Then, then you want to have food that's healthy and good for you and your family. You want to be able to provide at least the fundamentals and the basics of life. And it's really hard. It, I mean, it is really hard. This is why our brains go to probability. I mean, it's legitimately hard, and I completely accept it, understand it, and get it. Like, it's normal, natural, okay? So I think a lot of times you just have, you have to be respectful. I mean, I look at what's going on in the world right now. And I think, think of all the people that are protecting us, grocery store workers, first responders, people, everyone at the hospital, many people are manufacturing things for us, delivery trucks, you know, go on pharmacies I mean, go on and on and on and on. You know, these are people are often for most of our life are invisible. They don't have a lot of flexibility or options. But you know what? A lot of people are, are these people. Because I, I talked to all these folks that I meet. They're very happy because they have wonderful families. They love actually what they do. You know, they're taking care of their responsibilities. Like those people, you have a, I have a tremendous respect and honor for. I mean, they're they're living and they're living a great life for them. And we each get to make those decisions. So as well as the people who don't want to do what I do, I don't blame them. Do whatever works for you. It's your life. And the only, the only bet in life that's really worth making is on yourself. So only each person can decide what is fulfilling, what is a life worth living. And some people have that flexibility and options, and most don't. And that's why I also have tremendous gratitude for being to do what I do. And I also try to reach out and help others as much as I can, right? Because that is being really purposeful. Because at the end of the day, serving others, helping others, connecting with others, that's the most important thing. I believe that's the most important thing. So the, right now, the person who checks me out of the grocery store is risking their life, serving people, and they're doing it because one, they want to, they need to, right? But they're doing it. They're these are really courageous, strong people facing fear every single day. So the answer is there is no one answer. It's whatever works for that person that they will look back and say, you know what? 
I did the best I could. I enjoyed it the most I could. And for me, and it's hard, is how do we frame things in our lives that give us the most likelihood of finding joy and awe in day-to-day life? That's the real gift. It's not hanging out of a helicopter. It's like finding joy, purpose, smiles in every day. And I will say thank you for that. Uh, The amazing time with you, Roger. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, You are helping people, individuals who are listening, myself included, to redefine tomorrow. So that we have, there's a saying uh, that I've had since I've been young is, you can't fix yesterday, you can only create tomorrow. And in your case, you helped shine a light on the possibilities of tomorrow. The, well, thank you for inviting me. Uh, and thank you for having me. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, the, if there was one way that individuals could reach out to you, get a hold of you, what would you give them? Uh, I would say if they want to write me, they can just write me at my email, which is roger at rogerfishman.com. Um, uh, they're also welcome to get a hold of me through Instagram, which is just Roger Fishman, F-I-S-H-M-A-N. Uh, so it's your email or just text me through that, whatever, whatever works for them. Are there a question? Are there many Roger Fishmans out there? Uh, if there are, I feel sorry. For them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> some names are typical, easy to get and some are not. So for everybody, if you are looking to reach out to me, I'd love to connect with you. Uh, David at davidgoldsmith.com. Instagram is Mr. David Goldsmith. You can also hit me on Twitter at, at Goldsmith. And uh, LinkedIn and Facebook, I'm there too. So for everybody, uh, Roger included, I'm David Goldsmith, and thank you for listening.